Hello, hello, and welcome to another podcast episode. Today, we're going to be talking about 10 things you need to know to start a successful website from scratch. Now, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Knowing how to start a successful website with no prior knowledge of the techie lingo is tough. And I found that out the hard way when I decided to start my blog back in 2016. I literally just woke up one day with this harebrained idea that I would start a blog. I figured it wouldn't be that hard. I would just write some pretty words, maybe mention some interesting stuff, and people would love it. Well, what I discovered was a seemingly insurmountable learning curve that I almost quit on at least 50 times. Every single task was new. The language was new, the platforms were new, and I knew absolutely zero about any of it. I spent hours every day trying to figure out what I was doing, and those hours turned into days, weeks, and eventually months of learning. Now, you might be wondering why, after all that struggle, I would even suggest that anyone else dive into the deep end with this. Well, I'm so glad you asked, because even though you're jumping into the deep end right now, I'm going to teach you everything you need to know to stay afloat. So if you're ready, let's dive in. Welcome to the Classroom Exit Strategies podcast, a podcast for teachers who are thinking about leaving the classroom or starting a side hustle to grow into a self-sustaining business. My name is Jennifer Holt, and I'm here to provide you with strategic action steps designed to help you leave the classroom on your terms. The 10 things you need to know to start a successful website from scratch. Now, I'm going to preface all of this to say there's a lot to it, but I promise it's totally doable once you know the language and understand the central focus of all of it. Number one, the difference between a blog and a website. Now, the very first topic I want to address is the difference between what a blog is and a website is, because it's really common for people to use these words interchangeably. And while they honestly can be synonymous, it's important to understand the differences between the two. Now, by definition, a blog is a single entry or post on a website. Now, this can range from an online journal or a day-in-the-life kind of style to a heavily researched type of topical article. A website, on the other hand, is defined as a connected group of pages on the World Wide Web regarded as a single entity usually maintained by one person or organization and devoted to a single topic or several closely related topics. Now, if we stopped there, that's pretty straightforward. Until you read this definition, which has just confused everybody, a blog is a website containing a writer's or group of writers' own experiences, observations, opinions, etc., and often having images and links to other websites. Now it's easy to understand how we can get those two confused. So for this particular podcast episode, I want you to think of a blog as all of the articles you have written or plan to write on a particular topic. Then I want you to think of the website as the place where you keep all of those articles in addition to any other assets like products, courses, etc. Now we're going to dig into it a little bit deeper. Before we go into it too much more, I want to go ahead and say there's going to be a lot of information in this podcast episode, and so it may be one that you 
you want to revisit over time. But just remember that each section is going to be important to understand in and of itself. Then as you understand each section, you want to see it as a whole. So let's just jump right into the second thing you need to know to start a successful website, and that is website hosting. Now, according to an article by webhosting.com, web hosting is actually a service that allows organizations and individuals to post a website or web page onto the internet. A web host or web hosting service provider is a business that provides the technologies and services needed for the website or web page to be viewed on the internet. Websites are hosted or stored on special computers called servers. When internet users want to view your website, all they need to do is type your website address or domain into their browser. Their computer will then connect to your server and your web pages will be delivered to them through the browser. Now, I know that is a really lengthy and kind of complex definition, but I tend to think of my host as my landlord. I pay my hosting company or my landlord money to ensure that I can continue to be found at that particular location. I can receive my mail and my friends can find me at that particular place I call home. Then if I have an issue, I contact my landlord or hosting company to deal with the issue post haste. Personally, my favorite hosting company and the one that I've been with since I started back in 2016 is SiteGround. They have excellent customer service with a chat feature that I basically used daily in the beginning of my journey and still use very consistently and they also have minimal downtime. This translates to a website that is always up and ultimately keeping you front of mind with your readers. Now, the next topic we're going to discuss is domain name. This is basically your own little piece of virtual real estate. It's where all of your thoughts, ideas, and creations are going to live online. To me, this is one of the most exciting parts of the whole website and blogging game. When I coach clients who are wanting to start a TPT shop or a blog, my first suggestion is always to research names for their potential shop or business. Creativity is great, but you don't want to choose a name that is already being used because, let's be honest, that's copyright infringement. And just as importantly, you don't want one that when put together in web address form spells something totally different than what it's supposed to say. Now, let me give you an example. Say you've decided that you want to sell art online and you want to use your name. After doing a bit of research, you realize that your name, Mackenzie Graff, which would be MackenzieGraff.com, is taken. You decide to just add the word art to the end. And to be honest, this makes total sense. But when you put all of the words together into a URL, let's look at what you get. MackenzieGraffArt.com. Now, I know me just saying this name on the podcast should give you an idea of what the URL itself would look like. So as you think of a domain name, put all of the words together and see what it looks like. Then have a friend look at it too to see whether they see something that you don't see or something you might have overlooked. The fourth item on our list is website structure. Now, because this is a much more robust and complex section, I've divided it into three essential parts because each one has a distinct role within the context of your website. And for each of these particular pieces, I'm going to give you a relevant analogy that I hope will make it a whole lot more understandable. So number one, your content management system. According to Kinsta.com, a content management system, often abbreviated as CMS, is software that helps users create, manage, and modify content on a website without the need for specialized technical knowledge. So essentially, the CMS is the infrastructure of your site. The most widely used CMS on the internet is WordPress, 
It accounts for just under 45% of all sites. While there are other options like Squarespace, Wix, and Joomla, WordPress is by far the best option. Since this episode is intended to give you kind of a bird's eye view of starting a website, I'm not going to spend too much time comparing and contrasting all the different content management systems. However, I do want to make one specific clarification when it comes to WordPress websites. If you want to be in the driver's seat and customize your website, or have someone customize it for you, you need to have a self-hosted WordPress website. Now, the good news is if you choose hosting through SiteGround, it's as simple as clicking a button to have WordPress download directly to your website. So for our purposes, think of your content management system kind of like your school building where you work. The next level in our website structure is the framework itself. So if the content management system or the CMS is the school building, the framework is the layout. Now, I like to go even smaller here and think specifically about your classroom. The framework would be where the windows and doors are located, the location of all the shelving, cabinets, closets, even including how you have the desks arranged. In the website world, you might hear these referred to as parent themes. Now, these have to be installed after the CMS in order for everything to work properly. The most common frameworks for WordPress websites are Genesis and Cadence. When I first started my website and blog, Genesis was the go-to option for your framework. Everybody had the Genesis framework installed on their WordPress site. It was a one-time fee of $60, but it was not super intuitive. In fact, it was kind of clunky and difficult to customize without a lot of coding knowledge. But fast forward to more recently, and Cadence has come along. Cadence is an awesome alternative to Genesis because number one, first and foremost, it is free. Hallelujah. Number two, you have the ability to do all of the customizing you want without knowing the first thing about coding. And number three, it's ultra lightweight, which means it doesn't slow down your website. Now we're going to talk about site speed in just a minute. So don't worry if you don't know exactly what I'm talking about yet. That brings us to the third major component of our website structure, which is the actual theme. Honestly, this is my favorite part because it's the pretty part. You know, the part you see when you go to a website. This includes your color, design, fonts, images, all the like. But this is going to seem really confusing since I previously mentioned how the framework can be considered the parent theme. Well, if the framework is the parent theme, then the theme we're talking about here is going to be referred to as the child theme. Now, don't worry if this sounds like complete gibberish because I'm going to try to make it a little easier to understand. So think about it like this. The content management system, which would be WordPress, is like your school building structure itself. You need to have a place where students come daily to learn. You don't do anything to change the actual school building structure, you simply use it as your meeting place. Then you've got the framework, which would be cadence. This is the layout of your classroom. It's where your doors, windows, desks, all those things are located. And yes, you can do some shifting around, but a lot of things are already just in place where they're going to be. Number three, the theme. Think of this as your classroom theme. You have total control over how you decorate your classroom, whether you choose to have a teacher desk or not, if you want to use bright colors, black and white, whether you want to use cursive fonts. So in other words, just like you choose the classroom theme, that suits you. 
your website theme should reflect you as well. My absolute favorite theme developer is Lauren Gage from Restored 316. She and her team have gorgeous themes and the best customer service on the planet. I only use Restored 316 themes on my own personal websites, but also as the basis for the custom designs I create for clients. And the coolest thing about these themes is just how customizable they are. You can change and manipulate so many pieces and parts of your theme, which results in a website that is beautiful and also functional. But now that we've taken a look at the whole structure of your website, the next big category we're going to talk about is the content area of your website. Now, your website is set up in content areas or groupings of blocks called widgets. These widgets are essentially placeholders for whatever content you want to put there, including text, images, videos, buttons, so on and so forth. Truly, there is no end to what you can put into these spaces. Now, in most websites, there are a few distinct content areas or widget spaces with which you need to be familiar. So let's look at the three most common ones. That is the header, the footer, and the sidebar. Now, if you listened to the last podcast episode, I touched on what a header is. This is the uppermost part of your website, and it typically includes your navigation menu or menus and your logo. This is an important space because it will appear on every web page of your site, and it includes the links to all of the pages you want people to visit. Then you have your footer. This is the very bottom of your website. It's where you usually find the copyright information of the website, along with credits as needed. Many themes include three rows of content spaces in the footer, allowing you to put another menu, if you want, right into the footer space. Now, because the footer space shows up on every web page of your site, just like the header, it's important that you use that real estate wisely. Now, the third section is the sidebar. This is a feature that typically shows up on your individual blog post pages. While every sidebar is unique, some of the most common things to be found here are your picture and possibly a blurb about you, your social media links, newsletter or email opt-ins, featured products, featured posts, or even resources. Knowing the most common content areas as well as their locations will help you understand website lingo just a little bit better. That brings us to number six on our list of words and topics you need to know to start a successful website, and that is site speed. In a nutshell, site speed is how quickly your website loads once someone has clicked a button, typed in the URL, or searched on Google. From the moment they click, the time starts. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, if I click to go to a website and it takes more than about five seconds to load, I hit the back button and go to the next website. You want your website to be super fast so there's less time for a potential customer to get distracted by something else. And that's why I mentioned the Cadence framework earlier in this episode. Because Cadence is super lightweight and ultra fast, you don't have to worry about it taking forever for your homepage and every other page on your site to load. And trust me when I tell you that speed is key. The seventh item on our how to start a successful website list is your niche. Now, the first thing I want to clear up is the pronunciation of this word, because this is one of those words that you will hear pronounced two different ways. It is niche, like N-I-C-H, and niche, 
N-E-E-S-H. Now, those are not the correct spellings. That is me spelling it so that you are hearing it properly. Now, depending on who I'm talking to, I tend to go back and forth, and I don't really know why. For this discussion, I'm going to settle on niche. That's the one I think I most often gravitate toward, but when I'm speaking with someone about it, if they use the word first and they say niche, I tend to reflect back the same way they pronounce it. Completely up to you. Both are appropriate and correct, so you can pronounce it niche or niche. Now, when I refer to your niche, I mean what topics you will write about on your blog and what types of products you will create and sell to your specific audience. Wix.com defines niche like this. A blog niche is a specialized topic area that you will be focusing on when writing content. Blogging niches allow you to narrow down your audience and craft content that is much more relevant for them. So let me give you an example. My niche is education, and my main audience is teachers and administrators who are looking to exit the classroom. Therefore, I talk about topics like jobs for teachers outside the classroom, side hustles to help teachers become entrepreneurs, how to create amazing resumes for jobs outside of teaching, and the list goes on. Understanding the needs of my audience or the people who visit my website is truly essential to creating content that is going to be meaningful and helpful to them. So as you think through how to start your successful website, consider what types of information and value you would like to share, as well as the solutions you can offer to the problems your audience might be facing. Email Service Provider or ESP. This component of starting a successful website may seem a little strange and kind of out of place, but it's actually really, really important because we're all familiar with email. But when you have a website or a blog, you need more than just a Gmail account to connect with your audience. You need an email service provider. While Gmail does allow you to send emails to various individuals and receive responses back from them, you need the ability to send emails to large groups based on a variety of predetermined information. And I know what you're thinking. Yes, technically you can send emails to groups with Gmail, but an email service provider gives you so much more than just that. I really like the way advisorperspectives.com defined it. They stated, An email service provider is a software company that offers an email marketing platform or tool that enables you to create and send bulk emails to a list of subscribers. The article goes on to say, the purpose of using an ESP, rather than sending from your own email client, such as Gmail, Yahoo, or Outlook, is that it helps you create professional designs, manage subscriber lists, evaluate the success of your email marketing campaigns, and stay within legal compliance. And whether you think it or not, as a a blogger or website owner, you need to be aware of the legal aspects of running your own business. So having a reputable ESP is essential, not only to your marketing and financial goals, but also to ensure you are staying in line with the legal side of things. Plugins. According to HubSpot, a plugin is a piece of software that plugs into your WordPress site. Plugins can add new functionality or extend existing functionality on your site, allowing you to create virtually any kind of website from e-commerce stores to portfolios to directory sites. While I don't want to get too technical with the website jargon, you need to be familiar with the functionality of plugins because there are several you will want to keep up to date on your own site. Some of the free plugins you definitely want to include on your site are Yoast, SEO, Google Analytics, Akismet Anti-Spam, Simple Social Icons, 
and Grow Social. Now, there are literally tons of paid plugins, and some of them are simply pro versions of the free ones you might have tried. But just know that plugins are an important part of ensuring you start a successful website from day one. The last component in learning how to start a successful website is understanding search engine optimization or SEO. Now, as I've mentioned before, for you to be able to have consistent traffic to your blogger website, you need to be ranking high in Google search. Now to rank high in Google search, you have to be seen as an authority in your particular niche. To become an authority, you need to have robust content that is helpful and solves the problems of your readers. To have robust content, you need to have time to write and create as well as have a website with the bandwidth to hold all of that amazing content. So understanding this dynamic helps you see how All of these elements and components work together to help you start a successful website and ultimately grow your website to its fullest potential. I am so excited to help you on this journey as you start a blog or even a much larger website. If you have questions, you know you can always find me over on Instagram at Classroom Exit Strategies. And until next time, thanks for listening to the Classroom Exit Strategies podcast at happyteachermama.com. I'm your host, Jennifer Holt, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode.